Welcome to Depression and Anxiety in Real Life, an all-new podcast discussing real people with real problems. Welcome to Depression and Anxiety in Real Life. Um, In today's episode, I thought it would be good for me to just kind of introduce myself a little bit, kind of explain to you where I come from, why I'm doing this podcast, and what you can expect to get out of this podcast. Um... I'm going to try to keep this as politically neutral, as um, religiously neutral, just so that it can be for everyone who has a desire to listen and to learn more about depression and anxiety, coping mechanisms that go with those, how to overcome depression and anxiety in yourself, and how to help others who have depression and anxiety and who are going through those struggles. Um... So I guess we'll just dive right in. So I have had depression and anxiety for a long time. I think the biggest thing, the the time when it started the most was when I was in middle school. Um, and depression and anxiety just hit. And it got to the point where my parents took me to do a bunch of, of tests. I went and I got blood work done and all that stuff. I went and talked to a neuropsychologist and went through all the tests that he had. And the general consensus was, at that time, I was currently not in a depressive episode, but that I was prone to enter depressive episodes rapidly, and they could become very severe. And I saw that as I continued to go throughout my life, I've seen that diagnostic come true. So, through middle school and high school... um, of course, it's a stressful time for everyone, so I had depression and anxiety um, pretty pretty severely. I've, I've heard it said before um, in this way, and I, it really hit home to me when I heard a friend of mine say this, and I think that it's true, but there were points in my life where the only reason why I didn't kill myself is because I knew how devastated my mother would be, and... I never want to hurt anyone or to put anyone through that type of pain. And so I've had a lot of situations where I felt like I didn't want to live anymore. It wasn't really a thoughts of suicide or anything like that. It was more of just a, if I could hold my breath and never breathe again, then I would have done that. <clears throat> and so that's kind of where my journey with depression and anxiety all started, and I was on medication, I think in in later middle school, on to early high school, and then I kind of took myself up, which you should never do. You should always consult with a doctor or physician before discontinuing to take medication, and we'll get into that a little bit more later, Um, but I was doing fine. Um, Went through high school and graduated then, um, <clears throat> I, I got called to serve a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And again, I'm going to try to keep this as a religion kind of a, out of it as much as possible and just focus on the depression and the anxiety part. But obviously religion has played an important part in my life, so it will come up on occasion, but I'll try to keep it to a minimum and try to focus on depression and anxiety and um, that stuff. So I got called to go to Nebraska, Omaha, and I went there, I was speaking the English language, so I was doing missionary work 
and speaking English. Then I got an assignment change, and I was asked to speak a foreign language called Korean. Not Korean, but Korean. It's from Burma, Myanmar. But with that, there was a lot of stresses. Um, missionaries are generally supposed to be very happy people, um, very willing to help, and that got draining when I was struggling or I had bad days and I had to put on a happy face and go and, and be a happy missionary. But missionaries aren't always happy, and they do have struggles. So with that, on top of learning a different language, on top of a different diet, eating different types of foods, on top of already having that proneness to depression and anxiety, I hit probably one of the worst spots of my life with depression and anxiety. And it got to the point where... When I first started my mission, I was at 220 pounds, and within a, within a month or so, I dropped down to 180, 180 pounds. So, a drastic weight change there, and um, there were nights where I would just grab a blanket, and we had a balcony at our apartment, so I would just grab a blanket, go out on the balcony, and lay on the balcony, and just cry, and cry, and cry, and cry. And I didn't know exactly what was triggering it. I just was emotional. I was just sad. And it was draining. And the only time that I would eat was when we had to go to members of our congregation to eat dinner because they would sign up to feed us. And I just felt like I had to eat at that point because I was a missionary and I was supposed to be doing missionary things. And so it was just this pit that just started to get dug and I just kept going down and down and down and I didn't think there was a way to climb out and another thing that was really hard for me is here I am being a missionary and missionaries receive blessings and missionaries are, are happy and they have the spirit and I don't know how I'm supposed to go out there I didn't I didn't understand it was hard for me to go out there and try to teach people about God when I felt like God abandoned me or was holding all these blessings back from me and so I continued through this process, and I eventually started seeing a, a counselor and talked to her, and she became a very good friend of mine. But another annoying thing is when I was nearing the time to go and visit the counselor, when it was a day or two away, I was doing fine. But when it was a week out, the appointment was a week out, I was miserable. And so I would go to the counselor and I'd be like, I feel fine, I feel great, I feel good. But then I would leave and depression and anxiety would hit and it just drove me crazy. And my counselor even said, she said, you know, if I just saw you and I just sat down and talked to you, I wouldn't think you had depression. I wouldn't think you had anxiety. And the way you compose yourself, the way you state things, so matter of fact, I really don't think that, I really wouldn't think that you had depression and anxiety, but I know that you do, and I know that you do have these struggles and these trials and challenges, and so that was very difficult, and then I started looking at medication, so I was trying medications, and this just drove me crazy too, I would take this medication, and it would work for a week or two weeks, and I would feel just so good, I would feel quote normal, what normal people would feel, and then after two or so weeks, I would just hit rock bottom and I'd go down worse than I'd ever been before. And it was so irritating. And this happened with four or five different medications. And then eventually 
I got on a medication that started to work for me and I started feeling good about myself. Of course, I had regular stresses and regular things like that. But as it continued, I eventually got what we called transferred, which is when you move from one area to another area. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm speaking English again. I have a companion who I get along with. Um, and so I took myself off medication, which isn't a good thing. And um, then I relapsed. I got to the point where I started feeling like crap again. Depression and anxiety, thoughts of inadequacy, self-deprecation, all those things. And so I got back on medication um, and I was doing fine. And then... <sighs> As stupid as I am, I, I got off it again. And I was doing fine, though. Um, of course, I had bad days. Probably more bad days than most people. But I was able to cope enough. I was able to fake it till I made it. Or so I thought. And so I went through... I spent about three months in that next area that I was in. And then transfers came again. And I got transferred really far away from everyone out in the middle of South Dakota, and um, I went back to speaking the the Korean that I had spoken in, in the first area where depression came up, and had a companion that I didn't really get along with, and it wasn't anything against him, he's a wonderful person, but it's just because our personalities clashed, and we didn't get along, and so that was really hard, and I just plummeted so far down again, um, to the point where I wasn't eating anything at all for, I think it was 48 hours that I didn't eat anything, that I didn't drink hardly anything. Still going out and doing what missionaries do, knocking on doors and, um, trying to teach people. And my companion didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. And at this point, it was just really hard. I didn't know what was going on. I thought that I was fine and that my companion was just doing these things that were annoying me and that it was all his fault. And he didn't know what to do. And so he called the mission nurse and he said, you know what, he, Elder Ballman, he's not eating. He's just not in a good spot and I don't know what to do. So she talked to me and she said, Elder Ballman, what's going on? I kind of explained, I said, you know what, my companion's doing this or that, that's annoying. I don't think it's fair. Um, and she just asked me, she said, Elder Ballman, are you still taking your medication? And I just, I just sighed because I hadn't been. And she said, oh, Bowman, are you taking your medication? And I said, no. And I knew that at that point that I'd messed up. And she said, oh, Elder Bowman, why are you doing this to yourself? With so much love and so much compassion. And um, later I got a call from the mission president who's in charge of all the missionaries in a mission. And he said, Elder Bowman, I heard you're not on your medication anymore. Um, and I'm very, very disappointed with you. And that was probably one of the most emotional moments of my life, is hearing that disappointment from someone that I loved and respected so much. And, um, and he said, you know, Elder Bowman, if I, if I wanted to, I could send you home. I could have you, I could get you a plane ticket to go home right now. 
Missionary Medical, who's in charge of all the medical things with missionaries. Missionary Medical states that if you're on medication and you get off of it by yourself and you have a relapse, that that's grounds for you to go home. And that had happened to me twice. That was the second time that I had relapsed, and it was such a big relapse that I probably should have gone home, but he he decided to give me one more chance. He said, if you go and you get your medication tonight and you start taking it and you don't stop for the rest of your mission, then then we'll, we'll see what we can do about ha- having you stay out here and um, continuing your mission. And so we went and got the medication that night and... I started taking it and I started feeling better and um, I still feel like I had more depressive episodes than most people do, more anxiety attacks than most people do, but it was better and it was livable and I was able to continue to push forward and I look back at it and I know a lot of people think of depression and anxiety as a big roadblock or as a big stumbling stone and it for sure is. It sucks sometimes. It's hard sometimes. And there are times where you don't feel like you're worth anything or you don't feel like it's ever going to become better. But looking back on it with hindsight, I can see that depression and anxiety has been a big blessing in my life because I can reach out to people who are struggling with it and who do have questions or concerns and help them become better and overcome and feel loved. And that happened on my mission at one point. I was, we we were meeting with this, this kid, um, and he had depression and anxiety obviously we didn't really know this so we were there we went over to his house to meet with him we were just talking with his parents and his dad said you know what i i can't find him uh i don't know where he is he's missing and so we went out with his dad and we were looking at his friend's house we were looking for his car we were just looking for him because his dad was so worried about his 18 year old son and we drove around and a couple days passed and we still couldn't find him. And then his dad asked if we would help him fill out a missing persons report with the police department because he didn't speak English. And so we called the police over and we filed the missing persons report. And a day or two after that, we got a call from the police department saying that um, this young man was at a mental health and rehabilitation center. And we just were we were in awe. We didn't know what had happened. We didn't know what was wrong. So we went to this mental health and rehabilitation center and this young man was just in his room, just lying on his bed, covered with his blanket. And we walked in and we started talking to him. And what had happened is he was at his work. He was at his job and he just got an anxiety attack. He felt like he wanted to hurt everyone that he saw. And he just didn't know what to do. And so he he ran out of his work and he got in his car. And his plan was to just crash his car and to end it all. Um, But before he did that, he he was smart enough to call 911. And to tell them what was going on. 
and they sent out an ambulance and took him to the hospital. He got checked up, and then he went to the mental health and rehabilitation center, and he had to stay in there for a little bit before he got cleared and got released, but after that, he still struggled. He he called me Michael. He'd say, Michael, I don't know if this will ever go away. I don't know what's wrong with these feelings. I don't know what's going on, and a lot of times people that we're teaching or members of, of our church will look at missionaries and they'll think, oh, they're perfect or, oh, they, they know so much. But I was able to open up with this young man and I said, look, I have the same thoughts that you have. I have the same feelings that you have. You're not alone in this. You can overcome this. I struggle with it still. It sucks. It's hard. But you're loved and you're needed. And so we were able to help him with coping mechanisms. We were able to help him um, with getting in with doctors and, and finding medication that would help him or talking with therapists. And he just blossomed. He just grew so much. And he is such an incredible young man today who is um, a contributing member to society, has a job, is is doing so, so good. Um, and I'm grateful for the opportunity that I had to be real with him and to come closer to him and to be able to connect with him because I had had depression and anxiety and had those problems. And it was just such an incredible experience for me to be able to help him through that. And... Uh, I finished my mission, I came home, I've been doing, I've done pretty good since I've been home, obviously I still have bad days, uh, yesterday was pretty rough, I had a pretty rough day where I hurt someone that I was super close to, and I didn't mean to, but it was, it was really a hard day, but it's livable, um, I don't know. It's it's depression and anxiety is a really interesting thing. If you haven't had it, if you haven't dealt with it, you don't really know. You can't really comprehend what it feels like. I know it's hard for people that haven't had depression and anxiety to understand what it is. Um, my dad, he always thought that depression was kind of a myth that people could just get over it or suck it up. But then he met my mom, and he said this to her one time. He said, "Look, I." didn't ever think depression was a real thing until I met you. And it wasn't in a spot of hatred or a spot of spite. He wasn't coming at it with that attitude. But it was matter of fact that he didn't think depression and anxiety was a real thing until he saw it firsthand and witnessed it. Um, and I know it's hard for people who who don't have it to comprehend what it's like or to comprehend how how much of a struggle that it can be. But I'm here to tell you that depression is real, that anxiety is real. It's as real as a broken bone when you crash a bike. Um, it causes so much stress and pain in people's lives. But I'm also here to tell you that it can be overcome. That I'm here to tell you that life sucks and that it's hard sometimes. But I'm also here to tell you that it, it gets better. As hard as that is to sound, as hard as that is to hear, and as fairy tale as that sounds, life does get better, 
and there are days that are worth living. And there are days where you'll think it's not worth living, but it, it is because of those good days are coming. Um, one of the things that has helped me a lot is just being able to talk to people. Being able to say what I'm thinking and to get it out because with depression and anxiety there are lots of thoughts that you'll think that aren't real or that don't have a lot of grounds for being real but then you say them and you realize how funny they are and you realize how it isn't really as big of a deal as you think it is so just talking to people helps if you need to talk to someone please reach out um there are so many resources available for you um the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. If you're in immediate danger, you can always call 911. There are so many incredible first responders that are willing to to help you and to talk to you and to do whatever they can to help you. But please talk to someone. Um, as we go on with further episodes in this podcast, we will discuss some of the signs that people with depression and anxiety have. We'll discuss coping mechanisms. We'll discuss how to approach people with depression and anxiety, how to help them. So this podcast really is for everyone. Um, if you have depression, if you have anxiety, and you're having these struggles, we'll help you know how to overcome them. We'll help you know what resources you can turn to. If you don't have depression and anxiety, we'll help you look for the warning signs that people exhibit when they have depression and when they have anxiety, when they don't feel like their lives are worth living anymore. We will help you learn how to recognize those signs and how to approach and and talk to those people. We'll have other stories of people who have had depression and anxiety in real life and how they've overcome their problems and their trials and challenges. So please tune in for our next episode. Share this with your friends. Uh, give us positive feedback on how we can improve and how we can help you. If you have questions about depression and anxiety or anything that goes along with that, please reach out to us and let us know, and we'll include it in future episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Um, You're loved. You're needed. You're important. Don't ever forget that. Know that there is hope, that there is sunshine after the rain, And that you're here for a reason. Never doubt that. Never question that. Again, thanks for listening to Depression and Anxiety in Real Life. Tune in next week.